0: Christmas, Merry Christmas.
1: Ding fraza, dun Ding fraza, dun Hi. Welcome. Hello. To two girls.
0: One ghost. Two girls. One ghost. We are your ghost assistants. If you oh that hi. is Corinne. <laughs> and I am Sabrina. And we're kind of
1: matching. I feel like we do this all we the time. Are. Look at us. Look at the style of our sweaters. <laughs> we're matching. That's so fun. Mine's from Abercrombie. Where is yours from? Mine is from Newly. I rented it. So I don't know. Rented. I feel like all of your clothes is from are, are from, whoa, English. Haven't had to speak in like 10 days. I is from Newly. Sabrina, cloth clothes, Newly rental. Always. <laughs> Let's speak like that. What if we did an entire <laughs> episode in Pig Latin? Oh my God. I feel like we would get really good at it too. We should do that at some point. It's just the intro in Pig Latin. I absolutely want to do that. All right, but we're not going to tell anyone when we do it. It's going to be like eight months from now. Yeah. People are going to be like, what the hell? And we're not going to address it. No, not at it's all. It's just going to happen. Be, yeah. And then we'll transition
0: It'll totally be, fine. Yeah.
1: Okay. I'm in. Yeah. Love it. Sabrina has some holiday decor. You had much more, but then I made you scoot your camera because you it were didn't too work. backlit. I was like, yeah. I can't see you. It's like, do people
0: want to see just half of a tree or me? And I thought yeah, tree.
1: Corinne thought yeah, I me. said you. <laughs> I was like, I literally can't see your face. It's completely black. All I see is this Christmas tree. (laughs) And then I live in a college dorm room. That's what it looks like with my bare walls. I'm going to be realistic. We're not going to see decoration or anything behind me for probably two months. That's fine. It's just part of moving into a new house. We get to look at your beautiful face. There's no distraction. Did you get new glasses? (laughs) If you use your No, I have two different blue light glasses, and these are the only ones I could find. I don't usually wear these ones. They look so good on you. Thanks.
0: Oh my gosh. Two things. I'll start with Leia because she's right here. I discovered a tick on Leia, not like a bug, a thing that happens when I touch her in a specific place. I need to show you. Like a little nerve muscle reaction? It is crazy and also hilarious, and I need to know if other people's cats are like this.
1: It's right here. Demonstration. Look, It is is so big. Is it her tail curling and she's biting you? That's what's happening? She's
0: like licking and it's not even biting. It's just like little, like, and then she stops. When I stop, she's just normal licking.
1: That's so weird. Does she understand what's happening? No idea. I wonder. <laughs> she's like glitching.
0: She could be doing anything. I could, truly, she could be eating her canned food, which she's obsessed with, and she will stop. And start doing that. And if she doesn't have my hand or anything, she'll turn and do it to herself. Like, look, she's doing – well, now you can't see, but she's doing it to herself. Oh. Oh, my gosh. Leia. But What's going on with the girl? I will record, like, a proper video so, like, everyone can – I'll, like, do it, like, set it up where you can see her whole body as she does it. <laughs> it is
1: wild. Wild. Hey, bodies are weird. We've all got our things. Leia's yeah. just went undiscovered for 10 years. 10 years. I'm so curious what she feels when that happens. Because she goes right back to normal. She's not oh, like looking at innocent. you like, oh my God, mom, why did you do that? She yeah. just goes back to normal. It's like she's
0: reset. At first I was like, is this like a weird nursing thing? Like, is she kind of nursing? But no, yeah. it's like
1: it's not a bite, it's not a not a lick. It's because this is a simulation and yeah. something got screwed up in her code. It's her glitch. It's like when birds stop flying midair. It's her glitch. <laughs> What's your glitch? <laughs> I don't know. Wait, but Brian and I were watching – oh, it's called Platonic because mm-hmm. it's Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne and they become friends. There was a fight scene in the like ninth episode or whatever and Seth Rogen is fighting with someone and they're getting in a brawl. And he basically escapes this headlock by licking the guy's arm just going – And as it was happening, I was cracking up because I was like, this this is my move. That, that is. is what I would do. If someone had me in a headlock – I, before even biting, I would just lick them because it's the thing that people don't expect that grosses them out that yeah. that makes them release you. Be weird. And so I was like, that is brilliant acting or writing or directing because I feel like that's kind of realistic.
0: Yeah. I love that. Okay. I do have two more things. One, I did mm-hmm. want to shout out. So Boy Scouts Troop 2 in Los Angeles, Santa Monica, they have a
1: lot and they made this. They they carved this little like reindeer I've never seen that. I thought the Boy Scouts just take away your Christmas tree and give you wonderful popcorn. I didn't realize
0: they're crafting now. And they have a lot. And it's like very sweet. Like all the Boy Scouts have to work it. So, you know, like I went and the the, the little Boy Scout was like, can I help you? And, you know, he's like, 10 so he was just like a little bit awkward but also trying to be like a little salesman it was very very cute yeah that was very cute and then my last thing is my horoscope because i read yours because this is the last (gasps) episode of the year yes so i do have i've literally kept this website browser open since we recorded we would have forgotten because i would
1: have forgotten do you want me to read it to you or do you want to read it sure you can read it to me also, I went to Aruba for my honeymoon. I just got back. It was I know. great. Is there any like fun things that you want to talk about? This was my third time in Aruba, so it was my third time going to the Flying Fishbone. It's the best restaurant. I know it's a little bit further what away from the rest, but if you're going to Aruba, well, usually seafood. They have a great gluten-free accommodations there, and you sit That's in nice. the water, like on the sand in the water. That was awesome. I love Aruba. You look relaxed. And Ash and Drew were there for their honeymoon too. Yeah, I was looking at myself in the mirror after like five days of being there. And I was like, I look younger. And then we came back and the house was kind of chaotic. Some projects went wrong while we were gone. Mm. So the stress went (laughs) right back. But you
0: still look, I think the relax is lingering, which I hope it lasts longer. You look great. Did you read anything? Did you read any books?
1: (laughs) I knew you were going to ask me this because I had such a big, long list. And I was like, I'm going to read everything. Aruba was so damn hot. And the ocean is like always 83 degrees, so it feels so good. I spent every second of every day that I wasn't like on a catamaran cruise or jet skiing or whatever in the water. So, no, I so read. So, you read nothing? Well, I finished on the plane ride there, I finished my sister's grave. Good. And then there, I read 100 pages of The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. Oh, okay. He so read. I got a hundred pages in ten days. Great. <laughs> <laughs> it was too hot to sit and read. Meanwhile, I read like three books while you were gone. Yeah, there were some people that were like on floats and balancing their books, and I was like, I can't do that. No way. <laughs> we went out to dinner one night with Ash and Drew That's because so fun. Ash from Morbid, because they were also honeymooning there, so it was really lovely. You guys were like the honeymoon. You know, like there's all those movies of pe- like people
0: on the honeymoon, they make friends with another couple, yeah. and then. <laughs> I know this is a reference you won't get, but in the office, Jim and Pam become like BFFs with another couple and they get back from their honeymoon. And they're like, freaking beans! And like doing these jokes that no one gets. And it's just yeah,
1: funny. It's a honeymoon joke. Yeah. Oh, I need to watch The Office. All right, Sabrina, here we go. Okay. You and all the Virgos, here's what you can expect. Okay. As per the Virgo yearly prediction, your health will demand special <laughs> attention this year due to the movement of celestial bodies. Sick. I feel like yours, it always gets better, but they always lead in with something almost sounding negative. negative. Every year. Yeah. Every year. Starting right at the year's onset, Saturn will prominently occupy your sixth house, extending its influence to your eighth and twelfth houses. Twelfth houses. I can't say that word. That's a hard one to say. Twelfth. Twelfth. Yeah. (laughs) This alignment might result in health-related challenges, Yet Saturn's presence also promises assistance in their resolution. Nurturing a balanced and disciplined lifestyle and adhering to positive daily routines will pave the way for success in all pursuits. Saturn's placement holds the potential for notable career accomplishments.
0: Wait, this is good. This is what I was saying, Was that I'm
1: hopeful that both of ours are career positive because yeah. yours was. Yeah, And I swear, mine said like the first half of the year, didn't it? I think it said June through October, spooky season. June through October. Okay. Mm-hmm. It says, in the initial half of the year until May 1st, Jupiter will reside in your 8th house, fostering a positive perspective on spiritual and religious aspects. Okay. So maybe you'll like fully master astral projecting. I'll ascend. You'll ascend. (laughs) Level up. However, be mindful of unnecessary expenses and work-related obstacles. (laughs) Our brawl is coming. (laughs) Following, (laughs) Following May 1st. Jupiter will shift to your ninth house, ushering in a period of accomplishments across various endeavors. Additionally, prospects of heartening news related to children may arise. With Rahu positioned in your seventh house throughout the year, prudence is advised in both professional and personal spheres. As per this article, the onset of the year will yield moderate results for Virgo individuals when it comes to matters of love. It becomes crucial for you to skillfully manage your emotions as speaking without due consideration to your beloved might strain your relationship. The celestial influences of luminaries, such as the sun and Mars, will materialize in the fourth house during the year's inception. It will potentially influence some familial tensions that might subsequently ripple into your romantic life. Hmm. During the initial phase of the year, the presence of Mercury and Venus in the third house will facilitate harmonious connections with friends, and you may even establish a unique bond with someone. With Saturn favorably positioned and the combined effect of the Sun and Mars at the year's commencement, professional conditions will be advantageous. Yet, steer clear of engaging in any form of gossip. (laughs)
0: Sabrina is the biggest gossip. Biggest. So this is going to be a huge problem. Oh <laughs> That's going to be so hard for me. With Rahu's guidance, in who's Rahu? I feel like I should know this. I don't know, but it sounds like what the Sims say when they um, have sex. Rahu. <laughs> I should look it up too because I said it in yours. Let's see. It's the North Lunar Node ascending in Hindu astrology.
1: Oh, okay. So, while Rahu's guidance in business could steer you towards success, avoid the allure of shortcuts and impulsive decisions. A thoughtful approach is a true driver of progress in your business endeavors. And then, health wise, exercising heightened caution is imperative. Even a slight oversight could potentially lead to significant health issues. However, practicing self discipline can avert these challenges. So, it sounds like no more cheese pizza for you.
0: I was just saying no more sugar because that has been my problem lately.
1: Yeah. (sighs) <sighs> seems like they're like, hey, you know what's up. It's my week. And it's not going to get better, so stop.
0: Okay, maybe once a week.
1: Okay, real quick
0: about my car. So I got the Bronco Sport because I wanted to be mm-hmm. as safe as possible. Within a week of owning the car, I start hearing a squeaking noise, and it is, like, so severely loud. So I immediately take it in to the dealership, and they're like, oh, it's fine. They're basically like, we need to replace a part. It's a spring in the caliper, which is like a part of the brake. But like the spring is just like basically squeaking. Okay. But it's not dangerous. Well, so they say it's not dangerous. But then like it feels, anyway, now I'm like convincing myself that I bought this car because I thought it was going to be like the safest thing. And now the car is going to be the reason I die. So stay tuned. (laughs) 2024 horoscope might not matter.
1: (sighs) Sabrina, every time you say stuff like this, I get so stressed out.
0: (laughs) Sorry. Okay. I'll keep it to myself.
1: (laughs) Tell your therapist, not me. I'm scared.
0: Okay. This is such a downer thing to say, but I need to say it. And this is my place to say things. So (laughs) I am plagued with existentialism and I have a hard time like living in the moment because my brain is just spiraling constantly. Like there's like so much happening in my brain. And mm-hmm. so like lately I've just been like everyone says life is really short. Sure. In the grand scheme of things life is short, but like life is also kind of long. I was telling my mom this and she was like, "Oh, Sabrina, like you just need to lighten up and enjoy life and have fun." And I go, "Mom, you don't understand what it's like." To live with my thoughts. If you lived with my thoughts too,
1: you would think the world and life is very long. Right, yeah. It's difficult to be in here. I understand that. I've definitely gone through waves that I think like you experience regularly. I've had bouts of it. <laughs> it's horrifying. It so is. I do feel for you there. It can feel really big and heavy. I feel like that's the exact reason why so many of us, myself included, sometimes are like, I just want to run into the woods and see what happens. Because it's like, will life slow down? Will it feel quieter? Part of me is also like, what if we all just stopped using technology for like I a I know. Month? What would happen?
0: I think we would become such a better species, but that will never happen.
1: Yeah. And be so much more connected with everyone and ourselves. And, and I was getting so frustrated too. I forget what my dad said the other day, but he said something about like work and- holidays in other countries, we are like talking about it. And then he's like, yeah, but then people say that like in those countries, like they don't get things done as quickly. I'm like, well, who needs to get things done quickly? Who needs to get things done at all? We made it all up. Right. And why are we telling ourselves it's so important to get all these
0: things done? Like Literally last week, I was like severely depressed and I got anxious because I was like, all I want to do is sleep, but I have so many things to do and yada, 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 all the spiral. And I was like, well, actually, I'm not wasting time if I'm literally taking a nap to sleep so that I can get all my things done later. But the brain, the
1: brain, the brain and cultural conditioning. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) something less depressing, hopefully. Okay. The business horoscope for Virgos 2024. Virgo Business Horoscope states that the year 2024 will be full of ups and downs for your business. Rahu's presence in your seventh house will make you a revolutionary thinker to bring changes in your business. You will think from different angles, and this will be a new revolution in your business. But many times, you will ignore your business partner and other close people, and this can hurt them. (laughs) Corinne, I promise I won't ignore you. If that happens, I'm going to be like listen to me. Stop. (laughs) I'm
0: talking. (laughs) I think it's impossible to ignore you.
1: Due to this, your business will be affected. Try hard to prevent this situation if you want to make your business prosperous. This year, you will need to invest a big working capital as it will increase your money. Excuse me? I'm not sure I'm willing to spend a lot of money. No, it says increase your money, like income, right? I was taking it as like, you need to give a lot to make a lot.
0: I interpret it as like, put a lot more effort into like working, like working more to increase your income. Maybe. Let's hope it's that way.
1: Yeah, let's hope. You'll be able to do something new for the growth of your business, and you will be able to implement a new plan. The months of April and May will be full of ups and downs. You can feel stressed, but you must avoid making any big decisions. The period from August to November, this is the same that I had. Just about yours with success we'll, is happening from June to October. Wait the period from August to November will prove to be successful for your business.
0: We've extended it a month a couple months.
1: Yeah, on, on <laughs> either side. we bookended it. You will also meet some special business people that will bring important changes to your business and after that conditions for success will be created. Hell to the yeah. Should we read your numbers? Oh yeah, what are my numbers? The Lucky Age for Virgo. It says Virgo natives become successful in life from age 20 to 25 and generally build their house from age 25 to 35. We're in the house. Which is dwelling. when we started the podcast. It's like success. And then you just like build upon it and solidify. Yeah. And then it also says your astrological remedies. It says don't eat black sesame in a temple at evening on Wednesdays. Okay. And also you should feed chapati spread with turmeric on Thursday. To a brown cow. To a brown cat? A cow. You also have a cow. Feed the cows. Do you
0: think this was written by the cows?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It reminds me of those Chick-fil-A posters where it's like, eat more chicken and the cows cows are doing it.
0: Oh my God, it totally is. The cows are like, we're hungry, feed us.
1: Wait, there's also a children's book about this where like the cows and all the barn animals... Their farmers so cranky and they like get him to feed them biscuits or something I don't know. They're totally manipulative. It is the cows. <laughs> the cows did this. I'd like to be a cow. It also says that you should start drinking water from a silver glass.
0: <laughs> bougie. All right. I'm going to get like a silver chalice. Yeah,
1: like and sit on a throne. And you can place some peacock feathers above your bed and to place a sandalwood room freshener in your bedroom. That's an easy one.
0: That is an Oh, whoa. <laughs> That isn't
1: easy. Oh one. no, the health
0: problems <laughs> they're coming for. I you. found my glitch. <laughs> Thank you for reading that for me. Yeah. I love that we have both in our horoscopes. We have the success of our podcast because around the same time yeah, too. That's really great. Our business together is going to flourish, and I'm very excited to continue another year of podcasting with you, Corinne.
1: Here we go. We'll let everyone know if that fight comes. That's in both of our horoscopes. Should we have it like- live on the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> Does it? But only in Pig Latin. That's the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Just angry Pig Latin. One of us is crying, the other one's screaming, but it's all in Pig Latin. But then we can't stop laughing because we're talking in Pig Latin. (laughs) (laughs) And then
0: by the end, we forget what we're fighting about and we're like, I love you.
1: Uh, New rule, you can only fight in Pig Latin.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. This episode is sponsored by Pigs and Cows. I was just (laughs)
1: Wow, a pig and cow themed episode, for sure.
0: Well, we're going to pivot a little bit for the actual content of this episode. (laughs) Actual content, as if we're not already like 30 minutes into the episode. This episode is similar to yours. It's a holiday episode, but it is all about Santa's elves, Santa's helpers, (gasps) Christmas elves. Because I was like, who would Santa be without his magical elves? And who's more magical than Santa? I think it's the elves who are making the toys, and making Christmas possible. We wouldn't have all the toys without them no. year-round working. Yeah. Around the clock. Santa's the face of Christmas, but the business behind Christmas are the elves. You cannot have Christmas without the elves. It just simply won't work. Also, my Catholic guilt brain just like immediately like yelled at me and was like, Santa's not the face of Christmas, Sabrina. Jesus
1: is. Christmas is a little bit of, you know... Yeah, some, there's some stolen and shared holidays when you totally. talk about the and pagans and
0: stuff. Also, the voice that yelled at me about Jesus being the face for Christmas was Jennifer Coolidge. <laughs> so that's amazing.
1: No, stop. <laughs> if
0: Jennifer Coolidge was the voice inside my head all the time, I'd be cool living with myself. Yeah, you're just ooh, just <laughs> making love. <the little>, ooh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love her so A much. A silver cup. I can't do impressions.
0: (laughs) We're not here to talk about the religious side of Christmas. That's a whole other podcast, and it's not ours. This is the Santa side of Christmas, specifically focusing on the elves, because we're here to be Holly Jolly Mistletoe, my new nickname (laughs) for the Christmas (laughs) season.
1: Oh, that's your uh, performer name. (laughs) Wink, wink. Holly Jolly Mistletoe. Next on the stage, Holly. Oh my gosh, that's my only fans for Christmas. Holly Jolly Mistletoe, because your toe, oh my gosh. And then your nickname is just Holly, you know? Like, do you follow Holly on OnlyFans? And it's Holly Jolly Mistletoe, and it's just your toes. And I braid my toe hair and tie it up with mistletoe. mistletoe off of it, and then people have to kiss your toes, and that's what makes it a little steamy. Can you put your toes in your mouth? Yeah, but I don't like the taste of them. Okay. I was just curious about your flexibility levels. I mean, low. (laughs) <laughs> not where it used to be but yeah i think i can should i give a i feel like i'm gonna have to like completely bend down too i have access you have access okay i don't have yeah. socks on so
0: jamie can we put a blur on my feet i'm gonna go slowly <laughs> just a uh, censor this <laughs> could you put your fist in your mouth <laughs> ow <laughs> oh i got it in and that kind of hurt and i like went straight with the teeth Anyway, so sorry about this. Back to elves. <laughs> Crin, question for you. I know I just gave you like a whole. Are you still laughing at me? <laughs> You'd like, so sorry. I am. This is like not what people signed up for.
1: It's a Christmas special. We can do whatever we want.
0: We're going to take our tops off at the end. So you have to stay till then to find out if we actually do it. See Holly Jolly's. Uh,
1: Nipple toes. Christmas sacks. <laughs> Nipple toes. <laughs> anyway. This is supposed to be serious business, a holiday episode. We have children who listen. And so the rest of the episode will be PG. Yeah. Maybe. It will be. (laughs) I can't control myself.
0: Corinne, so I know I painted the picture of Santa's elves, but like aside from that, when you hear elves, what do you think? What do you picture?
1: I picture small, petite people and they have pointy ears mm-hmm. and they usually add bells as embellishments to their costumes. Their costumes often have green and red. There's yes. a lot of felt, I think, sometimes oh. involved. Yeah. Maybe I'm just thinking of actual toy depictions of elves. Okay. And they sometimes have like higher pitched voices. Right. And they're happy, but they're also stressed. Like, they these are, guys are. Very, this is where corporate America was born. Yes. Speak about
0: people who don't take breaks, elves. They don't do take not. breaks. They don't.
1: I feel like they don't get the joy necessarily from making the toys. Like, that's a stressful act. But as soon as they put it into Santa's sack and they think about who it's going to and the joy of the child, that's what really fulfills them. And that's why they. Have that job. I got to get my mind out of the gutter.
0: You said Santa's sack, and I laughed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's got a huge one.
0: He's got an OnlyFans too. That's <laughs> what we're learning. And he, he shows it to the world, <laughs> brings it around for everyone to see if you're lucky. For all the. Okay, I'm going to stop. 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 Shh, stop. <laughs> that was not Jennifer Coolidge's voice. That was my own voice. <laughs> when I was doing this research, I was like so interested because. I feel like there's different types of elves and I wanted to know what came first and how they evolved into Santa's helpers. Mm. So I kind of figured out that I found out and I researched the story because elves have a very important role in today's day and age. And we know that Santa and his origins are rooted in Christianity with like St. Nicholas and all of that. But the origin of elves are actually not rooted in religion at all. They have their own story and it begins in Nordic culture several hundred years before Santa.
1: Ooh. Mm-hmm.
0: In Norse mythology, elves were called alfar, A-L-F-A-R, and they were different from how we understand elves today. They were considered kind of like a fairy, which makes sense when you compare some of their behaviors.
1: Yeah. And it's also kind of like a woodland creature sort of thing, like... Exactly. Picture them coming out of the woods and mountains and whatnot. Yeah, they were considered a type of fairy. And there's, I'll I'll put a photo up here.
0: There's like an image from Nordic culture, like back in the day, that's very whimsical and fae-like, and in the woods, like you're saying. So Alfar has been translated in English to elf. Like they think that's where the word came from. And then these creatures were also called Holdfolk, which means hidden folk. Oh, So they basically believed that these creatures occupied the unseen realm between our worlds. So between this world and the other side where they resided. Kind of like Bigfoot. Like they can kind of come between Mm -hmm. and come and go as they please. But they were not as we picture elves today. They were very human-like, human size. And you wouldn't know you were really confronting them aside from their behavior.
1: So they're more of like Lord of the Rings, except they didn't all have bright white hair. That's exactly Yes. There was a
0: reference to Lord of the Rings, actually, in the article I read. Yeah. They were also considered very close to Norse gods, so like similar powers. There were various subgroups of Alfar, and this is the sentence, are considered very similar to the depiction of elves in Lord of the Rings.
1: There we go. One step ahead of them. They looked like us,
0: lived like us, but lived in the unseen realm. When Iceland was settled back in the 800s by Scandinavians and the Celts, the Celts were so taken by the landscape that they brought with them this belief of fairies and nature spirits and their own gods. And they saw this like volcanic landscape and it was shrouded in long bouts of darkness, but it was also illuminated by the northern lights, which were so spiritual. And the way that they moved, they were like, this world is alive and the land is alive in a way that we've never seen before. And so because Mm -hmm. of that, they kind of took their own beliefs in fey and other type of mystical beings and felt like there was a new type of being that occupied the land because of how magical it was. And that's where the Alfar came from. And they believed that they were the unseen beings living in the landscape, making it seem alive
1: the way that it was. I think that's so beautiful. It is very beautiful. And I could be misremembering, but I feel like a few years ago... We covered some Icelandic holiday creature. And isn't there some belief that like some of the actual mountain ranges are like basically the elves or like giants, like it's them sleeping? Oh,
0: yeah. Maybe I'm making that up. No, that does sound familiar. It I does. feel like that's
1: also a belief in, in a
0: lot of like in Hawaii. I feel like they believe that too. Mm. But I just think it's really, really beautiful that the creation of these mystical beings was because of how in awe of the beauty they were, that they were like, mm-hmm. this must be some magical, the source of something magical.
1: Which maybe we would feel today if we weren't always looking at our phones. Now we feel old and cranky, yeah. but it's like, if we had a month off of technology, would we look out into the mountain ranges and the valleys and looking at the landscape and being like, whoa, whoa. that is beautiful. It could not possibly just exist without magic. Right. I am starting to.
0: I got like a, a bunch of little like patio furniture and I'm going to try and sit outside more and start my days with coffee out there. Outside. outside. Perfect. Beautiful. Healthy. So the all far became the representation of this life. These human-like beings who were responsible for the beauty of the world. But with beauty, too came danger. It lurked mm-hmm. around every corner, unseen and unpredictable. Which is a description of the alfar and their behaviors. They're kind of like sour patch kids, where they're you're not sure are they going to be sour or are they sweet. They were these elvish creatures that spread now through Europe, and so too did their legends. So in Europe, they were believed to be supernatural beings. In Germany, there was an elf-like creature called the kobolds, who were like even more sour patch kids. Medieval Europeans saw elves as dark and dangerous. They were sometimes mm-hmm. linked to
1: demons. It is very interesting that oftentimes in mythology and just different like lore and magical creatures that we equate something as being so beautiful and mystical, while simultaneously being so dark and unpredictable and evil. And it's almost like, are we just projecting what we feel as humans? It's the duality of of life. Yeah, it is. Can't just be sweet. No, always. There were
0: also elf-like creatures in. Germany that were called Alp, A L P, and they could cause nightmares and sleep paralysis. But then there were other elf like creatures in Germany. There were the kobolds, and they were mischievous. Oh, little tricksters. Little tricksters. And there's a photo. The image reads Oh, miniature man, wiry and gray, within your cellar he will stay. He'll help you brew, so never fear. Just don't forget his daily beer.
1: He looks like a mixture of Dobby and the other elves in Harry Potter mixed with kind of how we feel. Well, definitely way more of like a Harry Potter elf. Yeah. Their outfit reminds me of where we are today yeah. with Santa's elves. Right.
0: So there's like clear connections and evolutions that are coming from the previous mm-hmm. versions and Types of elves.
1: But these are party elves. (laughs) These are beer drinking. Yeah. Good time elves. But also very similar to your
0: to the Christmas Bigfoot and the Christmas, what was it? Werewolf? Vampire? Mary Lude Lude. vampire horse. Yeah. Very food motivated. And this is another theme. Like Mm. a lot of these creatures are food motivated. So the Kobolds were more mischievous, but also very, very helpful. So they would help with household chores and offer very helpful services. But then they would like hide things. And apparently they're known for knocking people over. And I kind of imagine them doing the, what's it like where you like sit as a tabletop behind someone and the other person pushes the person. and Oh, like,
1: and like, they like, topple over. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's what I imagine that they did. The kobold often is given male pronouns. Like a lot of these elf-like creatures are viewed as male. I don't necessarily know where that came from. But heavily food motivated and had a very bad habit of hanger
1: hey very relatable again basically these guys are human you're not you when you're hungry we're just gonna repeat all the slogans of candy snickers you're not you when you're hungry
0: i didn't know that was their slogan of course you know that Uh,
1: yeah they're
0: my favorite candy bar (laughs) so these kobolds act out when they're hungry and then once they get their food they would turn around be super helpful And then they would sometimes sing sweet tunes to children.
1: Oh, that's sweet. That's very kind.
0: In Scotland, the alfar or the version of the alfar was called brownie. They were small, industrious fae or hobgoblins that lived in homes and barns. And these ones are a little bit more mouse-like. They look kind of rodent-y.
1: They definitely do.
0: But they were also mostly unseen and were nocturnal. So like... Once everyone in the house went to sleep, the brownie would come out and get to work cleaning and doing housework, which is... That's the dream.
1: Yeah. That is the dream. Go to bed and you wake up to a clean house. I mean, is brownie motivated by food? Do you feel like giving an offering or are they just there? Okay. Easy payment. You would think. Most
0: people would be relieved to hear the brownie getting to work at night. It allowed them to sleep peacefully and wake up to a clean home. But similar to the kobolds, they were mischievous and unpredictable. And sometimes upon waking up, people would find their homes completely rearranged. Oh, no.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That is so funny. I feel like that's a classic thing, too, that people would talk about. Like, when you have your own, like, mom comes to visit or whatever, and then they move stuff around. They're like, this is better organized this way. And you're like, oh, my God, I had a system. I Things where I needed them to be. It is annoying when that happens. But perhaps they inspired some interior design choices that were actually better. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they're all about like
0: feng shui. When I go home yeah. to my mom's, I kind of do that to her.
1: But to be fair, she has so much stuff that's like, why do you need this? Because it brings her joy. She collects
0: cats and tchotchkes. We used to have these Campbell Soup thermoses that she would send us to school like it with soup in them. And yeah. she still has them <laughs> and they're plastic. And I'm like, why? Yeah. They're from like 2001. Yeah. When is the last time you use this? Please tell me. I loved
1: using them back in the day. I loved them too. And then you can like pour it into the cap. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely did it through middle school. Right. But how long ago was that, Corinne? Uh, so long that I can't recall anything in my life anymore. Right. <laughs> There's no memory left. It was a long, long time ago, long, long so yeah, the insides ago. are stained. It's plastic. Yes. I'm going to take a picture and post it
0: when I am home for the holidays. I'm going to roast my mother. As I do every time I'm there, I take pictures of her creepy dolls and all her cats. I love her. Okay. <sighs> These brownies, while mischievous and also hard at work, they also were known for riding along with midwives on the way to deliveries, or they would, like, call for the midwife if basically if someone was going into labor, they would help call the midwife.
1: Nothing they're doing seems bad.
0: No, yet. They could also (laughs) calm swarms of bees, which I think is
1: so cool. Okay, I want that as my power. The The bee bee whisperer. When, Yeah. When people say, like, what do you want for your superhero power to be? And everyone Mm -hmm. says flying or invisibility. I've never really, like, fully felt strongly towards one of the powers. But I think calming a swarm of bees or just a bee colony is actually what I would want. What if you were just the queen bee as a human? Just constantly surrounded by bees. And they're just always trying to protect me. Yeah. Feed me honey. Yeah. Mm. I'd like that.
0: (laughs) I feel like, why isn't there a superhero called the like, Queen Bee, who all the bees like protect her? I think that's kind of cool. TM. Should
1: we get into writing comics now?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Another business adventure?
0: <laughs> Where's the scroll? This is why we start working longer hours. They said, don't
1: be impulsive. That's true. We'll think about it. We'll think about it.
0: <laughs> These brownies also had poltergeist-like behaviors and, like all the others, food-motivated. They were also really picky and easily offended. Okay, so basically – here, I'm going to paint a picture, a little scenario. If you thought you were being nice and you left behind a gift that was not food for the brownies, like say you left a book or a piece of clothing for them, they would be so offended that you didn't leave them food, they would take the gift and never come back.
1: Wow. Yeah. I kind of get it, though. From our perspective, we're like a gift is a gift. Like don't you need all these things? Wouldn't you treasure all of these little items? But imagine if you were working somewhere and your form of payment as a job or business is money and someone was like how about instead of money I give you a bunch of plastic buttons. Right. You'd be like what? Like what am I going to no, do with that? That is not the agreement. Yeah, so yeah. that's their currency, food, right. and it is insulting to get anything else. Right. In Sweden, the lore of
0: the Alfar evolved into that of the Tomte. I think that's how you say it, or Tompte, T-O-M-T-E. They are gnome-like figures with wooly beards and cheery red caps upon their head. The image actually kind of looks like The Last Supper to me. It might even be a play on that.
1: Oh, it totally is. Yeah.
0: But they look so much more like elves, Christmas elves that we know.
1: They do. And look, it is a pig-themed episode because there's a pig in this there picture. There is a pig. And it's not being eaten. It's enjoying the meal <laughs> as well. One of them's being spoon-fed on the lap of one of these elves. But that's so cute.
0: These, Tomte, they're smaller than human size, and they're actually the first to be associated with the winter solstice and the celebration of the Yule tide. So similar to other elf-like beings, they are very hard workers. They care for animals, children, and the home. But similar to the others, they are also unpredictable, short-tempered, and food-motivated. So if not given food or if they are spoken down to, which I appreciate this, they will stir up trouble. Mm. It is said that around the holidays, so basically their version of food, what they like is porridge. And then around the holidays, they like their bowl of porridge with a dollop of butter on top. Like that's their treat. It's like whipped cream for us. Special treat. But they're very particular about it. They like need to have around the holidays, they need the dollop of butter on top.
1: You know who they look exactly like? The dwarves in Snow White. Yeah, they do. I am curious the history of dwarves now. Now we're going to have to do a whole other episode on that. I feel like we have done episodes on dwarves. But it's maybe not just like a full dedicated one.
0: So there's a story, a legend, of a young girl who one year decided to kind of tease the tomta. She gives a bowl of porridge, but instead of putting the dollop of butter on top, she puts it on the bottom, kind of like a... You know, like didn't search for the surprise. Yeah. And the Tomta saw this bowl of porridge, was enraged immediately upon seeing it because there was no dollop of butter on it. Like fury. (laughs) He was like so betrayed. He asks for such little from this family. He does so much for them. How could they possibly do this to him? Without thinking, this Tomta goes out to the field and slaughters the family's best cow. And then... He goes back inside and eats his porridge. And finds the butter at the bottom. He realizes his mistake. The butter was there on the bottom. So the only, like, silver lining kind of to the story is that he did feel guilty, and so he went to the neighbors and ended up stealing their cow <laughs> and bringing it to this family. Another crime on a crime. Yeah,
1: exactly. He's like, yeah. well, maybe no one will notice. I get both sides. I mean, he was enraged, and so maybe killing their best cow wasn't yeah. the, the right way to go about it. But also, again, he asks for so little, for so little, and for them to take the one thing that he's looking forward to, the small item that he's yeah. asked for. It's almost like a like a pride thing, too, right? Like it feels like they have no respect for him. Yeah, I'm starting to get upset. You're now you're, you're magical enraged. creatures behalf. I'm becoming <laughs> enraged. Hide your cows, people. (laughs) I get it.
0: You know what they all remind me of? Like, all kind of subdivisions and genres of the elves. They remind me of the type of person who loves to pull pranks but can't take a joke themselves. Where it's like, you know, they're mischievous and they like to, like, hide things and move things around. And people are like, oh, silly elves. And then the second that, like, this girl teases him, like, she doesn't take away the dollop of butter.
1: She just changed where it was there's death and blood. Yeah. My dad is a prankster but can't take a prank. <laughs> you can't prank him. I've tried twice, two years in a row. What were your attempts? Didn't go well. I put googly eyes on his deer cuz he's a hunter and then I did the the fake eyelashes with no glue, they're just sitting right. Sitting I here. think that's very funny. I thought it was hilarious, but I think my prank gone wrong was I chose his most prized mm. possession and fooled with that instead of just doing something else that he right. might have actually enjoyed. I caused worry.
0: But you didn't cause any damage, so.
1: No. (laughs) Yeah. But still. I get it. You know how,
0: like, a lot of legends and lores and a lot of cryptids, they're conceived with the idea of telling, like, a story of morals or trying to teach a lesson. Even Santa, like, he watches you while you sleep. He knows if you're naughty or nice. It's this idea of, like, be good. So people think that the elves are actually a reminder of hard work and a reminder to Mm. avoid laziness.
1: And command respect from those that you are working for. Exactly. Maybe not retaliate and be angry, but also know when to step away when something's not mutualistic anymore and it's not working out. So now here we are. We're starting to see some connection between elf-like creatures
0: and the winter holidays. But still, how do they become the elves we know today? Well, the conception of Santa Claus now pops into pop culture in the 18th century. So it's inspired by St. Nicholas, who lived and was born around 280 AD. His imagery entered American society in the late 1700s, early 1800s. And then somewhere in the 1800s, elves began making literary debuts related to the holiday theme. It's so fascinating how literature influences society so much. Yes, especially back in the day, too. Like
1: it, Well, not even back in the day. I was just thinking about how... There are so many times where, like, now we're in the the phase of life where people we know are having babies. And baby names and, like, what mm-hmm. babies are being named after now is all – like, you can see it. They're named after characters in books, books that have become yeah. super popular in the past 10 years or television yeah. shows. Like, it's all from writing.
0: Right. You find yeah. the inspiration. Entertainment continues to influence society. Like, you know, mm-hmm. movies, film, television – Now, but yeah, books still do. So, in one of the very first things that was written, was written by Brothers Grimm in the story of the elves and the shoemaker. And in this story, the mischievous elf like creatures save the day when this poor cobbler is struggling to finish all of his work prior to Christmas. He has all these orders for people for Christmas and he's having a hard time finishing them and he's at risk of losing everything when. One night, a group of elves visit his shop, work through the night to finish the shoes for him and allow him to finish all of his work. While Santa specifically is not mentioned in this tale, it's one of the first depictions of elves working in a workshop type of scenario in order to get things Mm. done for the holiday season. And then in 1823, the infamous Twas the Night Before Christmas is released, and there's the following description of Santa Claus in this text. It is, he was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf. So now it's like, is Santa, Santa is an, an elf? elf? Right. He's the head elf. Because how else can he get all of this stuff done? How else can he travel the world to deliver presents and gifts for all the good little girls and boys? He must be some magical creature. And elves, they can kind of come and go as they please through this unseen world.
1: Mm-hmm. Is Santa,
0: does he have those similar abilities? And he's the queen bee of all of the elves, which is why he's so much bigger. Yes, exactly. Then in 1850, the same woman who wrote Little Woman, Louisa May Alcott, actually wrote but never published a book called Christmas Elves in 1850. So this is the first time Christmas Elves is like a term, but she never published the Mm -hmm. book. So it's like, I don't know that she's responsible for it, but maybe the literary world was reading the book. I don't know. Or she heard it like it was
1: Yeah, and there's like it was just like, yeah, yeah, but hadn't been pen to papered yet.
0: In eighteen
1: fifty seven, there was a poem titled
0: The Wonders of Santa Claus, published in Harper's Weekly. The poem is pretty long, so I can't read the whole thing like it's it's not a poem. It's like a short story in like poem format. But it tells of a team of elves all were and this is in quote, all working with their might to make a million of pretty things, cakes, sugar plums, and toys to fill the stockings hung by you know for the little girls and boys. So by this time, the image and concept of Santa's helpers, specifically elves, are now becoming accepted and integrated into pop culture. And then in 1873, a popular, it's called Godey's Ladies Book. It's a magazine which, you know, released different issues they published a front cover illustration for the Christmas issue and it had Santa surrounded by elves and toys and the caption said, here we have the idea of the preparation that are made to supply the young folks with toys at Christmas time. So, like the elves are making the toys. It's like the factory.
1: Right. So this is the first time that all of this has been connected. Yeah. And then from there, we haven't really changed anything, which is so Exactly. Wild, it feels like.
0: So there we are. Christmas elves are now born. And without them, Santa would be overworked. His job would be much too hard. And elves have a lot of duties at the North Pole. They take care of Santa's reindeer. They guard the location of Santa's workshop and village. Which I actually, this is interesting, because elves exist in the unseen realm. I wonder if they have the ability to make the North Pole, and like Santa's workshop and everything, exist in the unseen realm. Like maybe we can't ever see it.
1: You'll never be able to get there.
0: Yeah. It's like Atlantis. Right. Lost World. And
1: it makes me think of Elf, the movie, kind mm-hmm. of almost showed that where it's like right. Buddy is going through this kind of like impossible journey where it starts and we have all these like claymation figures and then you enter the real world and it's so starkly different. But it also reminds me of the Barbie movie where they move into from Barbie world. I was just going to say, isn't Barbie basically just Elf? <laughs> it basically is. It totally is, but it makes me wonder like if there is a way cuz the humans could find a way if they did the whole like series of events to get to Barbie world. They could enter Barbie world, so it mm. does make me wonder if there is some sort of like secret code series that we could crack to enter oh. the North Pole. Also, there's going to be so much noise above me now just as if people are hearing stuff as I speak. Is Santa on your roof? Santa's here and he's blowing 10 inches Of insulation into my roof. I just heard you say that as
0: Stefan from SNL.
1: (laughs) Stefan. Santa Claus is on my roof. (laughs) We have the hottest new Christmas gift. (laughs) And it's (laughs) Santa's blowing. Santa sack. Blown by Santa 10 inches. (laughs) It's packing something.
0: We made a promise and we broke it. Okay, so the elves are, you know, they're very important role in Santa's workshop and in Christmas, and they also help keep Santa's sleigh in working order. They make toys, but also, most importantly, they are Santa's spies. They are his eyes and ears. They keep an eye on watch all out? of us. They make note of our behavior. They are the keepers of the naughty or nice list.
1: This is also reminding me not to just go on a tangent again. But the Santa Claus movie series with Tim Allen, there's all of these theories about the movie because before Tim Allen even becomes Santa, you can see almost like Easter eggs of the elves watching him in the background. So it was basically being like he was always going to be Santa and he always is Santa and it's just them basically like bringing him through his Santa life cycle every Mm. single time. That it was never an accident. It was always the way. It, I love that. It was because they're always there. They're watching. You don't yeah. notice them. And in the movie, you don't notice them, but they're there.
0: Okay. So there's also, I feel like they've evolved recently where now with Elf on the Shelf, they are literally right in your home. Yes. My least favorite holiday tradition. But this is interesting. Okay. So we talked about. What was her name? The woman who lived in like the, maybe this is the Icelandic one, who like lived in the hills and she like cooks children for Christmas.
1: Gryla. I was going to say Greta. Gryla. Gryla the Christmas witch. That's right. So I
0: think I covered in, I don't know, some point in a holiday episode how Gryla has her 12 Yule lads Mm -hmm. and they kind of do her work. They work very much like elves, but they like find the naughty kids for Gryla So elves are also known as Yule Lads, which are mischievous little beings. And in some places, they visit homes from December 12th to 24th, leading up to Christmas, leaving presents and playing pranks. And they've gotten more creative over the years. They used to have to sneak around in order to watch you and figure out if you were naughty or nice. But now they straight up show up in your home and you welcome them. They're on your shelf. They are the elf on the shelf. And this is one of the newest versions and iterations of elves in our Christmas celebrations. But they are rooted in the origins of the Yule Lads.
1: I can't remember. So this is going to be a like basically a pointless insert. But there is some really wonderful story or really impressive story about the woman who wrote Elf on the Shelf. Like I think she wrote oh, really? the book. I can't remember the backstory. But basically it was like she wrote the book. Somehow this little creature got added to it and it was kind of unintentional. And it blew up, and now she is super rich. I mean, but that's the I can't dream. remember the full backstory. It wasn't just kind of happened for her, which is awesome.
0: Well, kismet—it's meant to be. Yeah. They show up in your house, and they pull pranks. They leave gifts. They are watching if you're naughty or nice, and they're reporting back to Santa. So the question I leave you all with is: Without elves, is there even a Christmas?
1: <laughs> no, there's not, because who's going to give you? Mischief and fun and presents and who's going to assist Santa in creating all the holiday magic? Who's going to know who's naughty or nice? Exactly. We need the elves. We do. And they're sweet,
0: but they're also sour, but they're also helpful. Just don't offend them because if you do offend them, they're a split second away from throwing a temper tantrum. And adding you to the naughty list. Exactly. Yeah. Here is one piece of advice that I leave all of you. A lot of us, when we think of Christmas, we leave gifts and cookies and milk and carrots for Santa and for his reindeer. But I am coming to you this year and suggesting maybe you leave gifts for the elves as well. Make sure you express your gratitude for all of their help because they are the hardest working creatures and they do it all very selflessly with you and your happiness in mind. So a simple thank you
1: or a simple bowl of porridge with a dollop of butter on top goes a long way. Wow. I'm kind of inspired to do that, but at the same time, I'm kind of scared because what if the fae gets confused and thinks it's an offering for them? And then you have opened the door. How do people do this? (laughs) How do people pick and choose who they're interacting with, especially when so many things want the same sort of offerings and operate similarly? Set intentions and then leave a note that says,
0: for the elves. For the elves, not the fae. And maybe have a fairy garden outside so that they know where to go. Yes. This is for you. Mm
1: -hmm. I really want a
0: fairy garden. (sighs) I fully support that. I think you should get a fairy garden and make one. That would be so
1: fun. I have so many acorns in my backyard too. I can use the little acorn caps and make a bunch (gasps) of- I have an idea. What's your idea? You're getting rid of that tree. TBD. We we just, I panic canceled the tree removal.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, if you get rid of the tree- Maybe you leave Mm -hmm. part of the stump and you put like a little fairy garden situation inside of it.
1: (gasps) I love it. It's like a Barbie dream house, but I'm going to make them for fairies. Yeah. I could carve into it and make multi-tier. Yes. It is a new dollhouse. (gasps) And they're going to have a rooftop hot tub. Hell yeah. For sure. I'm jealous of their house. Yes. Me too. (laughs) We haven't even made it. But I bet it's magic. I feel like just speaking it, it exists somewhere now. It does. In the unseen realm of our brains. In the unseen realm. This made me even more excited for Christmas. I love Christmas so much because it's just like such a warm holiday. And I love the traditions that everyone has with their own families and friends and just even themselves, like putting things out or watching a particular movie every year. Like it's just nice having that sort of routine and repetition. There's something warm about it. But this made me more excited. And speaking of... Us working
0: so hard and how like we just like work ourselves to the bone. I do love that it is a holiday that regardless of if you celebrate Christmas or regardless of your religion, I do feel like this time of year, people naturally do slow down and businesses
1: do kind of allow people to breathe for a minute, which is really. You get to rest. Nice. Yeah. I saw something on TikTok, which unfortunately I must have not saved it or liked it and just enjoyed it live in the moment when I saw it. But there's someone on TikTok who, instead of doing Elf on the Shelf, they have adopted a different type of creature, and it is a seasonal depression figure. Oh,
0: (laughs) I love (laughs) this.
1: It's kind of brilliant because it basically the point of this creature is it's teaching their kids that sometimes the holidays can be really lovely and fun and you can have a lot of energy and participate in things. And sometimes it's hard and you don't want to. And you're just going to stay in bed or you're going to lie on the same spot on the floor for three days. And that's okay. So does the creature just lay on the floor for like three days? Like what's the... Sometimes it does. Sometimes it reads a book. Sometimes it's watching movies. I Sometimes it's hanging out with other stuffed animals and like being social. But sometimes it's just like, I want to be alone. And it will be like really high up and I need my alone time. I don't want anyone talking to me. I
0: have a suggestion for all parents out there. This is my new business endeavor. If you would okay. like a real-life, human-sized, seasonal depression elf, you may hire me, and I will <laughs> exemplify depression for your children easily.
1: Well, I think if you want seasonal, you can hire me. But if you're looking for year-round thing, <laughs> you can hire Sabrina. Okay, then here we go. This is, this is our
0: business. I am depressive. You are the seasonal aspect of it. So I'm there laying on the ground for three days. And then all of a sudden you come in and you're up and about
1: and doing things. I'm like a solar powered lamp. Yeah. It's like I'll be sad in the darkness, but if I'm sad for too long, you got to charge me. Just bring me out into the sun for a little bit. Okay, here's another pitch. I
0: lay on the ground in your child's bedroom for three days and then Corinne comes in and she picks me up because sometimes it's okay to get external help To help lift you up and get you out of your funk.
1: Brilliant. (laughs) Coming to the homes of all of you Americans. (laughs) Order now. Free shipping (laughs) in the continental U.S. $5.99 for international. I love it. Cheap deal. It is a good deal. (laughs) We'll ship ourselves. (laughs) We do uh, require payment in food, though. We do. We do.
0: We do. Yes.
1: Apple pie or cheesecake.
0: (laughs) You're requesting cheesecake? If my health's going down in the gutter, may as well go out strong. Cheesecake with butter on top. (laughs) Mm. And like a (laughs) nice strawberry drizzle.
1: Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, strawberry. Wow.
0: Okay. There's a lot of noise. It's okay. Santa is trying to find access to your chimney. Uh, He is. Santa's dirty. If you think of all the things that Santa does, like, he's kind of inappropriate. Like, you can turn everything he does into something, like, sexual.
1: Oh, Wow, okay. not where I thought you were going when you said he was dirty. I thought you meant like with soot and just he's traveling a lot of places. He's flying through smog. yeah, he's in people's houses and he's touching things and probably not washing his gloves that he's eating the candy with it touching mm. like glasses of milk. There's a lot of germs going on with Santa, but maybe he doesn't catch cooties because he's magic. He just gives them. He just gives them. okay. This is from our listener Nicole and it's called Santa's Watcher. Hello ladies, my name is Nicole. She her age 24 and this is the story of when I was around 7 on Christmas morning. When I was that age I was so excited for Santa and on Christmas Eve it was very difficult for me to sleep, but my mom would remind me that Santa's elves were always watching out for Santa and if I didn't sleep like a little good girl, my presents would not come. So I finally managed to fall asleep and when I woke up I was so excited. Not only did Santa come, but his elf did too, and I had proof. I told my parents, and they were confused, so I showed them. Behind my bedroom door, on the ceiling, were two perfectly shaped pointy shoe footprints, and they both had a slight inward curve on the inside like an actual shoe footprint would. And these footprints were facing towards my bed. What my mom said had been true. Santa's elf came to make sure I was sleeping. My parents laughed nervously and agreed and went on with Christmas. But that night, I heard them talking as my dad went to go check the attic for water damage or any explanation for the footprints. There was no water damage at all and nothing above my room to explain these footprints. I'm not sure if they were trying to be sneaky as to not ruin my Christmas dreams, but our house had thin walls so I could hear them talking in my brother's room, which had the attic entrance. And after I realized that they didn't think it was Santa's elf... They just couldn't figure out why there were footprints. Oh, my gosh. So now I was scared. (laughs) I was scared to sleep in my room for a while, and the footprints stayed for an entire week. My mom could not wipe whatever it was off the ceiling. I watched her try a couple times. Oh, my gosh. After that, I would notice my bedroom door, which was on a slight slant as the floor wasn't even. It would open uphill with a slow creak. That never did stop until I moved out for college. Oh. Hope you girls enjoyed the story. Love the podcast, Nicole. Nicole. Well, that's terrifying. It begins magical with Christmas magic because you're like, oh my gosh, the elf really did come and then your parents are like, I don't think elves should have been able to get in here. Right. So how did these footprints get here? (laughs) Well, elves are sneaky. So sneaky, they'll send your parents looking for leaks in the attic and in a spiral for a week trying to figure out how the elf did get into your room.
0: Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us for this final episode of 2023. That's crazy. We love you all so very much. We hope you are having a great, safe, healthy end of 2023, however you are spending it. Travel safely, stay warm, and leave a bowl of porridge for
1: the elves. Happy holidays, and we will see see you you on the other other side. side.